0: This is Real Estate Rookie Show number -er.
1: 39-er. always look at things long-term. So especially a buy and hold strategy, you're not looking to sell this in a year, two years, three years. We're looking 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. We want to have cash flow.
0: I am Ashley Kerr. And did you guys hear that? Did I, what do you? What are you comfortable walkie-talkie? Did I catch a niner in there? I, I have
2: no idea what's <laughs> happening right there. <laughs>
0: Wait, I have to introduce you first, Tony, and then I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson, who has no idea the Tommy Boy quote. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. So tonight he is going to watch Tommy Boy and get to know all okay. of the, the Tommy Boy quote.
2: All right, consider it done. This yeah. is this is my commitment to you as, as partners. I, I got to okay.
0: go.
2: Tommy Boy. All right, done.
0: Yeah. Just repeat it 10 times until you can quote the whole movie with me. Okay. <laughs> so what's going on what's new with you i i think i saw on instagram you might be selling some property
2: yeah so we're me and my partners we're actually liquidating almost all of our uh long-term rentals in louisiana um we're we're pivoting to the short-term rental game so we've listed three of our properties uh two of them have already sold um and then actually yeah we we just found out that on the fourth property the tenant they had a two-year lease um but they're they're leaving early so they're terminating the lease early um, so they're going to oh, be leaving whoa. at the end of November. So now we're listing that one as well. So we're we're going to take all the profits from from those long term rentals and just dump them in, into some more short term rentals. And we don't really know where yet. It might be Tennessee, it might be California, but we're excited either way. Yeah. Well, yeah, What about that's you, really Ashley? Awesome. What's happening on, on, in upstate or Buffalo or West New York? Sorry, I always forget where <laughs> you're at. I'm G- <laughs> all so, three of those yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just so you know, like people in California, are, like so geographically challenged. Like I know California, I know Nevada only because Vegas is so close to us. I know Florida down yeah. here everything in the middle is kind of like a blur and I yeah, know New York yeah. City but like if you go like anywhere over here in New York I'm 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 lost so and and yeah. that's everybody in California <laughs>
0: Well, when I went to Europe once, like with my friend's family and stuff, and people would ask where we were from, he's like, don't say New York, say Niagara Falls, because they'll just automatically think you're from New York City. (laughs) I'm like,
3: okay. And that
0: was like the first time I learned, like when you say New York, people just automatically think New York City City most of the time. But today is actually really exciting for me today. It is the grand opening of my liquor store today. Congratulations. So we opened... Thank you. We opened like 3 weeks ago just doing like a soft opening, no advertising, stuff like that. So today is our our grand opening. Yeah. So we're going to do we have a winery coming in to do a wine tasting. And- I was going
2: to say, are you like cheersing some some strong liquor tonight or what's what's happening? How are you guys celebrate? <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't know about that. I know we're doing a <laughs> ribbon cutting. <laughs> the Chamber okay. of Commerce is coming. Uh, the mayor, so okay. <laughs> to be excited. yeah. But today we have a really exciting show we too. Do. Tony is going to take over introducing this host because <laughs> I <laughs> I can't even enunciate Realtor correctly. Everyone always says go. I says real a So go ahead, Tony. Yeah, so can, today can we have Thomas?
2: we have Tom Situridis on the podcast. And and Tom is Greek. So that's why the, the, the last name is is what it is. But Tom Tom was great. Um I loved his energy. I think he had a really cool perspective about getting started in investing during the time when a lot of people were shying away, right? During COVID. Um and he not he didn't buy one, not two, but three properties during this year. And he talks a lot about how he made that that transition happen.
0: Yeah, there were so many great topics and just things he does that he covers. So he talks about partnerships, automating his businesses. He owns a construction company that's just automated. He's like, yeah, that's taken care of. So I have all this free time to manage rental properties. And now he's automating that and just listening to the goals that him and his partner have. And his partner is actually going to move back to Greece and they have it all set up to make that happen and how Thomas is going to just run his property management company So really great stuff. So let's uh, bring Thomas on.
3: Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP.
0: What does financial freedom mean to you?
3: more
2: time with your family and friends, the ability to take that globe-trotting trip, or do you just want to sleep in until 10 a.m. every day with no boss to answer to?
0: Real estate is your gateway to financial freedom, but rent-ready property management software is what keeps your free time actually free.
2: From seamless online rent collection to custom applications, property marketing tools, and repair request tracking, rent Ready allows your portfolio to run on autopilot.
0: The best part is you can manage all your rentals right from your cell phone.
2: And that's why rent Ready is my favorite property management app around. I use it for all my rentals.
0: Whether you've got one or a dozen doors, RentReady helps you streamline how you manage your rental properties to create a life you love in 2024.
2: Now, Rent Ready is already included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1.
0: Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com. And use the code BP Investor. That's BP like bigger pockets, investor to get six months of Rent Ready for $1.
2: Ricky's 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But look, you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLCs done right. They'll handle all the state filings, draft your operating agreements, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, which is a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to CorporateDirect.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Ricky and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com.
0: Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being on the Rookie Podcast today. Can you start off and tell us a little bit uh, about your background and how you got started in real estate?
1: Perfect. Thank you for having me today. So my name is Thomas. I'm from uh, Queens, New York. I was actually born in Greece, came here when I was about three years old and quickly got into real estate and construction just through my parents. My parents became a, a super of a 62 unit building when I was about six. So I've always helped manage take out the garbage. I've taken out more garbage than I can count, shovel all the snow and stuff like that. And then my, my father also had a plumbing business. So at 13, I started working for him on the weekends and summers when I wasn't in school. And then I quickly learned the business and, and I was just fond of working with my hands. And then eventually, high school came around, and uh, it was make a decision. Wait, what are you going to do? <laughs> I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to, to pick up the plumbing business, and I, I liked to draw, so I went into architecture. I got a degree in architecture. After college, I uh, I worked for a construction manager, and I, I helped the guy build his business. I was there for five and a half, six years, helped him grow to about eight million dollars. And then I got laid off. (laughs) So I I, uh, quickly was like, okay, construction management. I I like doing this. I'm going to continue to do this. I went to work for someone else for six or seven months. And I was like, nope, I'm doing it for myself. (laughs) So I I opened up my own business. And now three and a half years later, we have our construction business. And we're just realizing that we need some sort of passive income, something that comes a little bit easier. So earlier this year, we, we bought our first property, just kind of going into it head first, not really knowing that much. Doing a little research on bigger pockets and other areas, just to to see what we need to do. And right now, we own three two family homes in upstate New York.
0: Awesome. So, when you say we, is that you and your spouse, your partner? Who Who is yeah, that? Yeah. So
1: my my business partner in Tomac Group, that's our construction company. We own uh, the construction company. We own a millwork company, and then we own the three properties together.
0: Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. And- and how how did that partnership form? Because you said, you know, you had worked for other people and then you wanted to start your own business. And right. we all love hearing about partnerships and how to make them work <laughs> and how to structure them. So would you dive into that a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, so when I was working for um, the first construction manager, my partner was actually my tile installer. So I gave him his first job in America when he came here. It was his biggest job. It was like a $30,000 job. <laughs> and we grew uh, a, a relationship together and he was always pushing me, like why don't we start something ourselves so eventually over the years we stayed close and uh, that's how we kind of built and started with the construction and when we started our construction company we were getting small odd and end jobs mainly tile because that's what he knew how to do hands-on and i knew plumbing but it wasn't something we could really start from scratch and he already had some connections on that so we started he was installing the tile i was cutting the tile we were doing the work ourselves and we, we got our first construction project where we were doing the demo work. I was like, wait, this is too much. I need, I need to fall back and focus on growing and scaling the company and doing the paperwork and stuff like that. He can focus on the hands-on stuff.
0: <laughs> that's right, you wanna work on the business and not in yeah. the business, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's the, that's what I feel a lot of people when they start a, a new business, they they get into it and they just kind of go head first at it and and they need to take that step back and realize that like, okay, I need to grow my business and focus on growing the business and not working in the business because then I'm again becoming an employee
2: yeah now now Thomas, a lot of people might say that you've got a big advantage right because you grew up in the trades you yeah. said your mom was a super like you you had a lot of uh, a lot of the background that people don't have right but then you also said that you you went through a lot of education for yourself right yeah. so people might be might be saying like what are you educating yourself on like you already knew everything so what what did that process look like for you?
1: I don't think I, Every day, I try and learn something new. I think that, yes, I did have an advantage because I had so many different trades. I had the plumbing. I had the management of the properties. I had the architecture background. I had the construction. And everything was learned along the way. But also, it was the relationships that were built along the way. It was one one thing led to another. So when I was in high school, I was working for a restaurant and I was there for six years and I met a mechanical engineer. That mechanical engineer working for him, uh, I was introduced to the construction manager. The construction manager, one thing led to the other. And that's how I ended up in the construction world because of the relationships that were built along the way. So a lot of people do have to educate themselves, but they still need to kind of go at it head first sometimes because I don't know everything. Real estate was something that I got into. Yeah, I had like, the property management side of things, but I didn't know the financing side. I didn't know how to find properties. I didn't know where to find properties. I didn't know anything about real estate other than painting the walls, which was the construction side of things. So people know someone may be in the finance world and they may know that, but they don't know the construction. So you have to learn everything along the way. You have to be open to growing along the way and, and just kind of gathering a good team and, and, and good fundamentals around building uh, pretty much everything you need to own a piece of property.
0: Well, even if you have the tools, there are so many people that have them and don't take right. action. <laughs> right. That one exactly. hangs me up when people say, "Oh, well, he you know he had this background or he got this growing up." Well, so many people have those and don't take those as op- turn them into opportunities to build a real estate portfolio or to actually take action on those things. So, that's awesome that you did and you use the skills and the tools you had to to start build your portfolio. Do you want to yeah. tell us about your first deal? And kind of get oh, into yeah.
1: that? My first deal, again, our, our three properties are in upstate New York, Dutchess County. We kind of, I Googled Dutchess County or upstate New York real estate broker. First guy that pops up, I gave him a call <laughs> and he, we set up a meeting. He showed us six properties the first, the first time around and we made an offer on two of them. And the first property they got that we got was the, uh, one of the six that we saw that day. And it was asking price was two zero five. We offered one eighty, I believe, and then we actually got it closed at one ninety. So that's a two family three bedroom, one bathroom over three bedroom, one bathroom in substate new york,
2: yeah. now, so you mentioned earlier that you didn't have like the the analysis side of real estate right. investing down. so when you're when you're talking with this broker, when you're looking at these properties, when you landed at you know what was it one ninety, how did you know that that was a good price to pay? Like, how did you know that th- this checked all the boxes?
1: I mean, the, again, I think it goes back to building relationships. It's, the broker for us has been the most important person in our real estate journey so far because he has been the person that I lean on to ask him, oh, how much do you think this can rent for? How much is it renting now? Can we increase it? What's a property this size selling for? So again, I like to use realtor.com. That's just a, a basic tool I use. You go online, you click on sale, uh sold prices of properties three bedroom, one bathroom, you see that they sold for 250 220 whatever the case is. And you have the information from the broker and you have to kind of gather information from your team and do your own research and then make a, make a decision at the end of the day. So you have to lean on people, but you also have to have your own opinion on, on, on what to do. Yeah.
2: And, and I would encourage everyone that's listening, right? Like there's so many tools out there to run analysis, like BiggerPockets has like, I love the BiggerPockets calculator. Um, right. Like, they've now got the BP insights. There's there's a lot of different ways to kind of pull in information and start running them through the calculator. And then like you said, uh, Thomas, if you have a network of folks you can lean on, you can say, hey, here here's what I thought about this property. What do you think about it? And kind of use other folks to, to sanity check.
0: And especially if you're giving them all the information too, you're not like, Hey, I'm looking at this property. Does this make sense? Where if you're running it through the calculator, you're giving them maybe the listing, you're giving them the report, you're doing all the work, just having that second set of eyes to look over it, you know, might take an experienced investor five minutes to do, but it's so worth asking for it. You know, I wouldn't ask them to do all the actual work for you, but handing them everything all set. For sure.
1: Yeah, and and along the way, it's you start on a piece of paper because you don't really know what you're doing. It's like, okay, what are my taxes? Oh wait, I have to pay taxes up front or I can not roll them into escrow. Like you're learning these things, and and when I say uh, you have to go into things sometimes head first, is because after you complete that first deal, you understand taxes, insurances, the finances. You understand how to find properties. Just that one deal, you gain so much knowledge. Than reading a book or looking online. If you don't actually take action, like you said before, you're never going to buy the second property, the third property, the 10th property.
0: Yeah, you're right on that.
2: Yeah. Was this, I'm assuming with your background, that you, you went after something that needed a little bit of work? Like, was this a, a fixer-upper? Was it a burr? Was it a turnkey? Like, tell us about the property.
1: So our goal is buy and hold. So we're looking for bird properties, but we're not looking for something that it's, it's in really, really bad condition just because the properties are an hour and 40 minutes away from where we live and where we operate our, our construction business. So we are buying properties that do need some work, but we're focusing on properties that the rents are much lower than the fair share market is. So our first property, the, the, the rents for the, the three bedrooms were $1,200 each. And $1,200, we saw an opportunity that that market was able to get for a three-bedroom $1,500, and it needed some very minor repairs. So we are focusing on buying properties, not really concerned on the purchase price, but more on what the value is in, in the increase in the rents. So we're seeing that the three properties we have, after we fix the properties, after we get some new tenants in there, we can raise the rents to a fair market, which is 30% plus.
0: So what's the for this first property you did? What were the rents when you purchased it? And then what are the rents now?
1: So they're uh, $1,200 a piece. And we purchased this in, in January. And then obviously COVID happened. So we didn't want to remove the tenants because we're all human. I'm not looking to, to put someone out of the house right away uh, during COVID. So we, we, they're the $1,200, we can increase these after we fix them up to $1,500 each. So that's huge because our numbers are just, uh, it should be around 16% uh, return on our investment for this property and along with all three of our portfolio pieces.
0: When you purchase this and you're ready to raise the rents, and I know COVID kind of threw this for you, but what <laughs> process do you take to do that? Because a lot of people are, you know, they don't want to raise the rent, especially by that right. much to these people. Do you, you know, give them the option of moving out or raising the rent? Do you send them a letter? Do you talk to them in person? How do you go about approaching that?
1: We try and take it on a human level. Like we we understand that COVID is going on. We understand that we're not looking to put people out on the street. We tell them that we are. We bought this property. We're looking to to raise the rents. We give them the the required thirty days, sixty days, ninety days notice. Like, hey, you can stay, but you have to pay the increased rents, and we're not going to do it without fixing your apartment because. Obviously, when we're trying to bring it up to fair market value in terms of the rental, but we're also bringing up the conditions of the space to be to to fair market value.
0: And just so everyone knows, in New York State, when he mentions the 30, 60 or 90 days, he's not saying that that it depends on the tenant, you know, if he's going to give them 30, 60 (laughs) or 90. It actually depends on how long they've lived in the property, how much notice you have to give them. So the longer they've lived there, you might have to give them 90 days notice on the rent increase
1: right and, and some we actually got lucky on our second property that we bought which right now is our best property because we bought it vacant so that was a, a four bedroom two bath over a two bedroom one bath and that was vacant we actually sent our crew up there our construction crew for a month they lived up there oh, and wow. it cost us fifteen thousand dollars to renovate the entire property wow. <laughs> Well, so I, I want to dig into
2: that a little bit more, right? Let, let's talk yeah. about the rehab on that first property. Now, I'm assuming yeah. because of your background, like you managed everything, yeah. you managed all the subs, or did you have a general contractor? Did, no, was we,
1: it? It, I managed my partner. <laughs> Got it. <laughs>
2: okay. Now, I, I think something, Thomas, said a lot of new investors struggle with is how to decide how much rehab to do. Right. Because, like you said, you saw that right. like the rents were, were undervalued. They were at 12. You know, you could push them up to 15. But what happens if you over rehab and you know, you spend more than, than the value that you, ret- that you get back? So, how did you manage that? How did you, how did you decide how much rehab to do?
1: So, I think the best thing to do is to look at other rental properties that are renting for that $1,500 mark. So, if these are renting at $1,200 now, you look at the $1,500 properties and you see that they're not putting in a Viking stove right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to go into to something that's close to, to what is renting now in the fair market value. And you see that I need to minimize this as much as possible to give me the biggest return. And I think a lot of people face the issue where, yes, I do have the benefit of having a construction company and I can send my guys up there. And a lot of people try and do things themselves instead of sending it out to a contractor or a handyman or whatever the case is. The What's more important than money is the time, right? So the only reason it worked for me is because I do have the crew, because I, I am in construction, I'm sending, spending my time and putting my guys on there where someone else who doesn't have that ability to, to send their guys or, or have their own construction company, I would definitely suggest they give it to a, a liable contractor because your, your time should be focused on growing your portfolio, on, on growing your business as opposed to working in your business again. I love that. So w- when you talk about
2: growing your business, right? Like and you, you mentioned this earlier that you, you stopped cutting the tile because you know, yeah. that, that wasn't the best <laughs> use of your time. Right. How do you and your partner determine who's going to focus more so on, on like which piece? Cause I feel like that's something that, that a lot of people get, get stuck on is how to divide yeah. those responsibilities.
1: So I'm, I've always been good on uh, the paperwork side of things, the, the sales side, the, the client facing uh, side of, of our business. So in terms of our construction company, I am the person that is in front. I'm the person that does the estimating. I do the sales uh, in terms of our real estate business. I am also the person that finds the property, figures out the financing, the taxes, the insurances, everything to get it basically ready to purchase. Once it's purchased and ready to be renovated, I hand it off to my partner and tell them, okay, here are the paint colors. Here's this, here's it. go do it. <laughs> so you have to have a, a balance. Like if you're working with a partner, one person needs to complement each other because if one person does the same thing the other person does, you're gonna slow yourself down. You're, you're gonna cross each other on, on one thing that the other person can handle. So you need to figure out what works for each person and each person focuses on their tasks so they can kind of move forward with the project.
0: Do you guys have any kind of alignment meeting, quarterly meeting? What do you guys do to kind of <laughs> stay together? Or is it just like a, a group text do you have
1: going no, on? I mean, without even speaking with my partner, we, yeah. we're pretty much on the same page. Yeah. But he knows that his his main goal is to push the project, whether it's our construction business, whether it's our real estate business, the faster that we finish, the faster we make more money on our projects, the faster we get a tenant in there, Mm -hmm. the faster we make rentals. So his goal is strictly to to push the projects. And if if I see that he's slowing down a little bit, I got to give him a little nudge. (laughs) That's why I have to come in. but we we complement each other in that sense where that's what you kind of have to separate divide and conquer in it in a sense,
2: got it now I, I want to talk a little bit about the the rehab portion, right? Yeah. How did you finance that part of the deal? Was this part of your loan? Was this just savings that you have? Walk us through that piece
1: yeah, so we are in the construction business in New York City, so we took our profits that we've collected over the last three, three and a half years, and we've decided to put some of it into our properties so Every single property that we own, which is the three, we've put 25% down. 25% down to start, and we do a um, usually a a adjustable an ARM loan. So our first one was a 10/1 ARM. Our second one was a 6/1 ARM. Our third one was a 5/1 ARM.
0: Can you explain what an ARM is for everyone,
1: please? Yeah, it's an adjustable rate mortgage, right? So you get it at uh, a 10-year ARM. Let's say it gets adjusted at 10 years. So you can um, pay. We're paying 3% I think on our first one. So 3% up to 10 years after that it can go up, it probably will never go down. Um, but in our sense, we're seeing that we're looking for BRR properties. So we are going to refinance. And so we don't care that it's a 10-1-R and 5-1-R. We're looking for increased cash flow, so the lowest mortgage payment on a monthly basis so that when we do go into the refinance process of the BRRRR, we are looking to increase. If the mortgage gets increased, we don't. That's not what we're concerned about. We're concerned about a lower cash flow to get us to, to where we need to be to refinance the property.
0: And with the with the arm, so it's you start out with your fixed and then it yep. switches to variable interest rate. What is your timeline to refinance these properties? So you said you have, you yeah. know, a 10-year arm on one. When do you actually want to go and refinance them?
1: So our second property is actually in the refinance stage now. We should be closing maybe in a week or two. We bought it in April. So we bought it in April. We fixed it in a month, month and a half. And now we've already rented it out. It's profitable. It's making money. There's tenants in there. And we're refinancing now. So usually around six months is what we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. On our first property was bought in January because of COVID. And because that one was already occupied, we weren't able to meet that six-month mark. But we're now starting to give the tenants a little nudge like, hey, we want to fix the property. (laughs) You got to either stay...
0: Yeah. (laughs) What does the this refinance look on property number two?
1: So what are the um, terms? All of our properties are commercial. So that they all have their own LLCs. We're not buying anything under our personal names, but we are backing them personally. So our first one, our second property that we're refinancing was a six one arm 15 year with a 30-year amortization at 3%. So that we're refinancing now at four and a quarter, I think, but that's Mm -hmm. because it's a commercial loan. So commercial loans tend to be a little bit higher on the interest rate. And what we're losing, I believe, is around $200, $150 on our net operating income on this property. But when you look at it, the amount of money that you're losing in cash flow on this property, it would take us nine and a half years to get that back from the property. So we're getting around forty thousand dollars back on this refinance, and it would take us nine and a half years to get that forty thousand dollars if we didn't refinance. Mm-hmm.
2: But so, but even with the refinance, w- what made you decide to to go with the commercial loan as opposed to the residential? Is, is it because of the size of the property, or, or just you guys felt more comfortable that way? Or
1: it was just a, a liability thing. We have we structure our businesses in, in a sense; they're all owned by a holding company. So we have different ways of, of structuring each and every entity so that it, it's its own LLC, everything is separate. We're not really concerned about the, the higher interest rate. Although, yeah, we could probably get a point, point and a half shaved off if we did it under our personal names. We just wanted to keep everything separate, everything its own business, everything completely separate because we do have other businesses. I have my own businesses on the side out of the construction as well. So we wanted to just keep everything separate.
0: I have found one bank that will actually do an LLC on the residential side, but the yeah. interest rate, so this was I think 3 years ago where maybe like a normal interest rate was around 4%, 5%. This one was at 7.375%, wow. <laughs> like it was it, it, we we did it because it was a a 25 year amortization, but um now the commercial side, you can find commercial loans that are amortized 20, 25 years that it just doesn't it didn't make sense with us to use that bank anymore to try to get an LLC on the residential side. Uh so what what are the terms of the commercial loan? You said the interest rate, but is it what's it amortized over?
1: It's amortized over 25 years on the mm-hmm. refinance. And that one, I think we also did a five-one arm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and again, it's we're just looking for the lower uh, mortgage and right. and in, uh, principal interest payment so that we can have a positive cash flow on these properties. And we, we do see that after we build a certain size portfolio, maybe four or six, we're going to start paying these down. So this is our first refinance, all of the cash flow that we're seeing on all of our properties, we're going to pay down on this one so that we can kind of get out of this rat race, right? So everyone's in this rat race (laughs) and and we want to start paying these properties down and kind of start building again after we pay these off. Cause it's, it's good up until a certain point, you don't want to over leverage yourself as well i want to change
2: gears just a little bit thomas and talk about like the the tenant management side so yeah you had, you had been in, in the construction space but you would never been a landlord before right what was that process like inheriting those tenants
1: ah uh, it was tough the first week that we uh we bought that first property two days later i get a call at 11 o'clock at night the tenants like it's leaking through the roof. The, the, the bathroom. I was like, oh my God, I'm selling the property. I'm done. I'm getting out of real estate. <laughs> and it was like a minor issue. The wax on the toilet was loose and like the tenant flushed the toilet and like water was coming down. But it's like tenants just overreact and you just kind of need to kind of take a step back and, and realize, okay, I'm gonna send a plumber there tomorrow. He's gonna fix it. We'll fix the damages. It's not that big of a deal. So you you gotta kind of control your emotions in real estate.
0: <laughs> that took me a long time to adjust to because I yeah. would like feel the stress. I would get yeah. overwhelmed. Like, those <laughs> that, like oh my God. And it was like, okay, calm down. You know what to do. Like, take care of it. Right. Don't let it, you know this affect you. Yeah. And we had someone on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago that said he, when he first got his first tenant calls, like his first property, he'd had it for like six months. And he was like so overwhelmed, like, oh my God. And then he realized, wait, I've made thousands of dollars right. over the past several months. This five minute phone call, I can take care of it. You know, it's 20 minutes of my life for thousands of dollars. Like, exactly. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you tell that to me years ago?
1: <laughs> you got you to look at the upside of things. Like we don't really self-manage because how it works now is, is my partner uh, has only been in the country for four years. Mm-hmm. So we've built this business together. We're starting this re- real estate portfolio together. His end goal is to build a set of portfolio that he can live back in Greece. So, in four years, five years down the line, he plans on taking the properties, keeping them here, receiving that cash flow, and living in Greece—a great life from these real estate properties yeah. that we we're building together. So, we had that understanding at the at the very start, and how we went into it is that I would manage the properties. So in order to do that, I built another business. So now I, I own Blue Collar Realty, which is our property management company that manages these businesses.
0: And then <laughs> does the the properties pay a management fee to yeah, that business then? Yep, and then you right. get paid out of that. Yeah, yeah. I think but, that's but- such a great idea. And a lot of people ask about, uh, you know, what if the job duties, like what if someone's doing more, when you write up your partnership agreement, structure something like that, or put it into the agreement, like whoever does this task is getting paid this. And that way you can stay 50 50 with the equity, but then if you're doing extra tasks or extra things, you are paid separate.
1: Out yeah, of that. exactly. And I think it, it works really good for us because, he, he understands that I'm, I, I know more of the real estate side just because of the property management for that 62 unit building that I've helped my parents manage from the very start. And he sees that he just wants to retire. He's 10 years older than me. He wants to retire in five years in Greece. And he doesn't want to worry about it because I'm going to be stateside. I'm going to manage this. And I'm just going to be sending him a check at the end of the month.
0: And like how yeah. lucky for him that he, could, he trusts you already yeah. that yeah, 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 he yeah. has we're, you. We're,
1: yeah. We're, we're really good. We work really good together. So it works out well for both of us.
2: And, and, and if the goal is to retire, at least for your partner in five yeah. years, like what's the roadmap to get there? Like how many properties do you need to acquire? What, what, what cash flow per door?
1: Yeah. So right now uh, our best property is, is um, netting just under 1100. So it's about $500 per door. So that's the goal we're seeing in, in the area that we're focusing on that we should be getting at $500 a door. And now with the prices just skyrocketing, some things just don't make sense. You're getting $200 a door, $150 a door. And right now on our worst property, we are making 150 per door. But when we renovate, we will be up to that $500. We're seeing, we bought it seeing the upside. So at, at $500 a door, we are looking to get twenty five, twenty six properties, and then we can kind of say we don't need to, to work in construction anymore. He can go retire. I can go stay in New York, we can go to Florida, California, wherever I want to, and we're we're fine because we'll we'll have that positive cash flow.
0: For when you do the refinance, are you pulling all of your money back out of the deal? Because you put the twenty five percent down. Are you taking that back right. when you refinance? Or are you leaving some money in?
1: So on this second property, which we're refinancing, we're leaving five thousand dollars. So we've invested uh, the down payment twenty five percent. It's like forty five thousand dollars. So forty thousand at the end of the day, closing costs. We're really getting like thirty five. But thirty five thousand is like seven years to build. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah.
2: awesome. Now you you bought your first property. You said in January of this year, right, right. Thomas? And yeah. you're you're up to three properties now.
1: Yeah. So our goal pre COVID was ten this year. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, <laughs> that- but I think. Yeah, but that that's important to call out, right? Is that there were a lot of people this year, Thomas, who had the same goal of getting their right. first property, um, but when COVID hit, a lot of people kind of pulled back. Right? What, was it like how did you kind of coach yourself through that to kind of not get scared off of of continuing to grow your portfolio?
1: We I, I like to always look at things long term, right? So especially a buy and hold strategy, you're not looking to sell this in a year, two years, three years. We're looking ten years, twenty years, thirty years down the line. We want to have cash flow. I will likely never sell these properties until something comes along. And then I, I want to be your pockets again and tell you yeah, I sold my properties. But we're, we're looking long-term down the line and, and we're just seeing that the upside of, of the properties, we just have to keep going. Yes, COVID happened. And, and the reason we're not able to hit our 10 properties this year mark is because our nine to five, right? So we, we, we focus on the construction. We, we lost a lot of projects because of COVID. The profits that we were expecting were down. So we've focused on growing the real estate as far as I can. Our properties were expected to be at 10 this year. We should be at four. So because of this refinance. So yeah, I have four more properties than I had last year. So at the end of the day, maybe I didn't hit my 10 year mark, but I hit a four property mark. So that's fine.
2: Yeah, and the reason why I dig into that, Thomas, is because for me, I feel like real estate is such, it's such a mindset play, right? right? Like like you can only read so many books, you can only go to so many right. conferences, you can only be in so many Facebook groups. At some point, you've gotta actually take the action and close that first deal. And the thing that I always try and say is, is no one gets the first deal perfectly right, right? And I've, right. And I've met zero investors that have such a great first deal that they're able to retire off of that one deal, right? Like there's always more deals to come and the purpose of that first deal is to teach you is to educate you is to give you that confidence because Thomas, right. I'm I'm almost co- like certain that Thomas today has so much more experience and confidence than Thomas in January of this year, but it Uh-oh. wouldn't have happened had you not taken that first deal.
1: Right. Just, just that first property alone. I, I, and, and why I always try and encourage people that I, I know some other people that are looking to get into real estate and why I tell them is just ask the stupid questions, just ask it. Like the, the only stupid question is the one that you didn't ask. So ask about the financing, ask about the taxes, ask about insurances. You need to educate yourself on all of these things to understand where your actual cash flow is. And me personally, I, I, I grew up in the business side of things. So helping my father grow his plumbing business. And I was always working with businesses and, and taxes and insurances and stuff like that. So I always look at these properties as a business. I, I look at it as real estate, but it's a, it's a business, right? So you, you open a business to make money. If the property isn't cash flowing, it's not a good business. It's not sustainable. So you need to focus on it as a business. Don't tie emotions to the real estate because it's not a property you're living in. It's an investment property.
0: Yeah, I can't agree with that more. And just building the, your finances on the personal side too. Right. To make sure you have that strong foundation to build your business up. And it, now for your finances, are you doing everything for the property management, for your construction company, and now for the real estate? Do you outsource anything? And do you have any plans to do any outsourcing? As far as like the admin side, Yeah, I guess
1: we, we have an admin. So our construction company is, right now we have an admin, myself, my partner, I have two property man, project managers for our construction side of things that handle managing the construction side of things. The real estate side of things, or the property management side of things, I manage myself because I have that free time because I have property manager, uh, project managers, and office admins for my construction business. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that you should outsource as much as possible and wherever you feel comfortable in in terms of your time management. And me personally, I've always been pretty big on managing my own personal finances. I have a, a spreadsheet like everyone, and I track dollar for dollar, what I make every single month, where I need to invest my profits. And I try and push as much as I can back into the real estate for the buy and hold strategy, because I, I think long-term, this is what will allow you to retire at 40 years old, which is what my plan is. So that I got eight years to go. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So I I want to switch gears just a little bit, right? And talk uh, about the properties a bit more. So with, with how you're managing these properties yourself, right? And you said that's the long-term goal is for you to kind of scale this property management company. Are you just using like, you know, notepads and Excel sheets, or do you have property management software? How are you managing these rentals and what's the long-term plan for you?
1: It's all Excel. I've looked into uh, all these, uh, these property management softwares. I think that some of these property management softwares, along with project management softwares in the construction industry, they just kind of slow down what you're supposed to be doing. Excel is so basic. It's just so simple. And as long as you keep tweaking your formulas and and all the charts that you make on Excel, I think you're fine using Excel. You don't need anything else. And and just try and automate everything. So I automate everything. I use Chase from all of our accounts. Everything's automatically paid to every company. Everything is is automatic.
0: Thomas, I am wearing the perfect t-shirt today for this conversation. (laughs) I mentioned this one time in a podcast. I mentioned... I'm a lady in the streets, a freak in the spreadsheets. And I've had three <laughs> t-shirts sent to me that say this.
1: So if anyone's that's watching, you can terrible. see it. <laughs> oh, my God. So
0: perfect t-shirt for this ex- Excel spreadsheet oh my God, talk. That's
2: hilarious. <laughs> Thomas, my, my shirt does not say anything yeah. close to that. It's just a black, plain shirt. So. <laughs> he
3: says it on the back. He's just having it. <laughs> Oh, but, man, that's so, so good. but
2: but Thomas, that that's super interesting, man, right? Because I I have a property management company in place for my long term rentals, and right. you know I know that they've got. I think we're using Appfolio, like that's how I communicate with them and see like all of my spreadsheets and and whatnot. But like it, like I don't know, it just feels like it, it might get cumbersome. I don't know. Actually, how are, are you using what, what property management software are you using for your properties?
0: Well, right now I'm just managing one and I'm using Buildium. And okay. when I was managing all of mine before, that's what I used. For me, it worked best just like them being able to pay online through there, the, the maintenance requests. But I've had, there's like so many more popping up. When I started actually researching software, I think the first time I started, it was maybe five years ago, four years ago. And like, since then, like there's so many of like free yeah. companies that are offering the basic software now. And it's, it's really like, a growing product now it seems like.
2: So, Thomas, so, so for the guests that maybe want to follow in, in, in your footsteps and, and not use some of the software and kind of do it themselves, I guess just walk us through how you set up all these different parts. Like how are you taking in p- uh, payments from your, your your tenants? How are you accepting yeah. maintenance requests? All of the, all of those parts. So once we purchased, so
1: I've created, I'm just construction management background, right? So everything is paperwork heavy. So I've created templates for every little process. So I have a a template of a spreadsheet that tells me what I need to do. In order to get me to the closing table, so I need to uh, have all the insurance, everything ready to go. After the closing table, I have another spreadsheet, and it just says five, six, seven things on there of what I need to do to set up the tenant if there is one in place. So we give an introductory letter to our tenants that are in place and tell them, hey, we're the new owners of the property. We are uh, looking to to keep the the maintenance up and and manage the property for you. If you have any questions, here's our email address. Here is our phone number. Payments moving forward are only done electronically. Here's our bank account number. This is where you're depositing it. You don't give me cash. You don't give me a check because if I get a check, I have to go an hour and 40 minutes to go get that check once a month. If I get cash, I don't like cash. (laughs) It's just, I want to, at the end of the day, automate this as much as possible. So I can minimize the amount of time because for me, time is what's most important. So I'm trying to manage the time.
0: Well, it seems like just with your construction company, you've been able to do that. If you're able to say, I own a construction company and I have lots of free time. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. Let's move on to our next segment here. So this is where we want to ask you about someone who has been very valuable to you, your most valuable player on your team, and has really helped you grow and scale your real estate business.
2: When BiggerPockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store. But then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash BP rookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash BP rookie now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash BP rookie. You dream of ditching your 9-to-5 and starting your real estate career, but with home prices and interest rates at an all-time high, you're not sure how you'll find a worthwhile wholesale deal or a quality rental property. Look, here's an expert secret. You don't have to rely on on on-market properties to start making money in real estate. You actually can find off-market properties with homeowners who are motivated to sell right from your phone tablet, or computer with PropStream. PropStream provides data for over 155 million properties nationwide. With more than 120 search filters, including pre-foreclosures, pre-probate, and bankruptcy, it helps you quickly find motivated sellers even without MLS access. Now, PropStream offers public record data as well as an MLS sales estimate with over 99% accuracy to help you get the most accurate comps possible. You'll also get lead automation, skip tracing, and marketing tools like emails and postcards to close more deals quickly. They even have a free learning academy to help you get started. Get 50 leads free with their 7-day free trial at PropStream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com dot slash BP.
0: So who is that MVP? <laughs>
1: Hands down. Big awards go up to uh, our real estate broker in upstate New York. He yeah. has been by far the best asset for us in, in our real estate journey. He's helped us find insurance people. He's helped us find attorneys. He's helped us find inspectors for the properties, handyman, any questions that we have in the area, because he's in the area. He has always been helpful finding appliances. Anything we ask, we ask him first and then we'll do our research.
2: I I wanna ask Thomas, so if if I'm a new investor and I'm reaching out to this broker for the first time, what does that that dialogue look like? Like how did you get this broker to take you seriously and and show you around town and take you all these different properties? What do I say?
1: I told him that we're uh, a general contractor in New York City. We're interested in buying some properties in the area. We have no idea what we're doing, and we're looking for someone to, to join our team and, and kind of guide us through the process. And And he was, if you're a good real estate broker or you're good in the position of what you do, I think that you should be open to educating whoever you're working with. So he was very open in, in showing us these properties and telling us, hey, this is selling for 200000 You can fix it up for X amount of dollars and make another $50,000 in equity or whatever the case is. You have to. Be mindful of who you're dealing with. So, someone like me, if I see a beam falling down on one of the properties, it's okay. It's another construction project for me. You know what I mean. But someone who doesn't have that construction experience may walk away from that deal, which is totally fine. You don't. You may need a turnkey property in your case, but you have to go within your your comfort level.
0: So, when a lot of people have told us that when they research, you know, a team out of state or long distance, they call you know, 10 to 20 people. Yeah. Do you think you just got lucky that, you know, the first person you pulled on Google?
1: hundred uh, percent. What,
0: what are some things that drew you into him that, you know, you said he educated you, but what would have been some things that turned you off where you would have went down to call the next person on the list?
1: For us, we, we, we called the first person on the list. We had a phone conversation, just a quick, casual phone conversation. And he was just very welcoming. He was a type of person that was easy to talk to. We felt that we could have a conversation with him. We felt that he gave us just on that first conversation enough information that he would be an asset down the line. So you have to, to have that first conversation because again, it's, it's, it's about managing your time. So if, if you see that someone's not really, they don't send you any properties or they don't really care to have a conversation with you, or they're not interested in educating you, then that's not the right person for you. You need to find someone else. And it may take 10, 20, 30 brokers down the line, but I'm telling you someone is out there for you to, to help you guide you in that journey.
2: Yeah. I think the only thing I'd add on to that, Thomas, and you kind of mentioned it, is that don't be afraid to fire people that aren't Working right. for you the right way right yeah. like as I was as I was building my out-of state investing team, I went through like four or five different realtors right and it took me a while to find that one that works. so for those of you that are new investors I know sometimes you can feel almost indebted to that first person that helps you but you know it's a business for both of you and you got to find someone that works so Thomas I want to I want to take us to the next segment here this is our rookie request line uh, with your construction background a lot of folks kind of want to dig into your, your site and <laughs> understand how to make that work so our question today,
3: Good morning, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. My name is Richard Kelly. I'm
1: actually in New Orleans, Louisiana. And my question is, what is best typically or what do you recommend in regards to construction? Is
3: it better to go with a general contractor or is it better to use subcontractors for the entire project? Thanks so much. Hopefully you guys can answer for me.
1: It depends on your time. If you have a nine to five and you can't manage the subcontractors, then I say give it to a general contractor. But, it's, it's again, building those relationships and finding the right general contractor. You're not gonna find, I mean, you may find it on the first shot, the, the best general contractor for you because every person is different. But if you have the time to manage the subcontractors, I do this every day in construction, then that's definitely a good option for you. Manage the subcontractors, you'll save money, but you need to understand that your time has to be invested for it to, to work properly. If you don't have the time, then I su- suggest you definitely give it out to a general contractor. And you don't have to manage them as much because that's what you're paying them for.
2: And for, for me, right, again, I, I built my first long-term rentals. or I purchased them out of state. So I knew for me, one, I have, I have a W-2 job and I'm buying stuff that's several states away. I knew it was going to be very difficult for me to effectively manage a bunch of subcontractors. So I knew going in that I was going to have to pay a premium to have a general right. contractor kind of manage that whole process. So to your point, it's really about what, what your situation is and, and what works yeah. best for you.
1: Yeah. Every person is different. And for us, we just saw that obviously we have the construction business. We already manage people. We already manage subcontractors. It just made more sense for us to do that. But we've also considered even being a general contractor because it is almost two hours away, getting a general contractor out there. But the prices were just, it's what I would charge as a general contractor. It just didn't make
2: sense. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. So uh, we want to ask you a few more questions, Thomas, to, to get to know you just a little bit better and for our guests to get to know you. I know what, I, what I've what got, but actually you put me on the spot last time, so I'll, I'll let you go first this, this week.
0: Well, the first thing is, is that a fire alarm going on? Yeah, should should what we be concerned
2: that? for you, Thomas? Yeah. I don't even hear it, honestly.
0: You don't
1: hear oh, yeah. it. so used to it not, not. I'm just used to the, the whole commotion going on. Yeah. Look at across the street. All
0: yeah. uh, right, <laughs> beeped at one yeah. point, like it didn't even phase you. Yeah. Here I am in my, you know, my closet, you know, in this land, you know, nobody around me, no That's neighbors. So
3: funny. <laughs> nothing.
0: So Thomas, what is your morning routine? Do you have anything special you do every day? Um, even, maybe even an evening routine? Is there something you do daily that you think has really helped you excel in your businesses?
1: Yeah. I mean, I wake up at 5.30, pretty much every morning. I'm a morning person. I like to wake up. Mm-hmm. I used to go to the gym, but I have two kids. <laughs> I have a three-year-old. I have a four-month-old. So I don't really go to the gym anymore, but I still wake up at 5.30. I I read very like maybe for an hour, hour half an hour or so. And then I, I like to get into my emails right away. I'd like to work out if I do have some time, but now with my son in school, kind of got to ring him to school in the morning. So yeah. it's a little tricky. <laughs>
0: Just a, a follow-up to that question. Yeah. What kind of books do you read? Are you reading business development, real estate, or are you reading romance novels? No. <laughs> what
1: is it? So right now I'm reading the four-hour work week. I've already read uh, Traction, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Win Friends, Influence People, Think and Grow Rich, Make Your Bed, and don't laugh at this one, but the Subtle, uh, The Art of Tidying Up or something. I forgot what it's oh, called.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, <hey. laughs>
0: awesome. awesome awesome books i've read most of those actually yeah.
2: yeah it's so funny like the the art of tidying up i think that's marie kondo yeah yeah right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they I, have a netflix I, too yeah i saw the netflix show <laughs> and like all of it like if you open my drawer for all of my t-shirts they're all folded in that like little crazy way that she folds everything my my fiance thinks i'm a psychopath She was like no one folds their shirts that way <laughs> <laughs> Tom, so Thomas, my, my question for you, brother, is: you know, your you, you your father built this business, right? right? But you decided to go a different route and kind of build your own business. Right. Just, what, what was the thought process behind that? Like, walk us through. Like, why not inherit the family business? What, what made you kind yeah. of take your own path there?
1: So I, at first, again, I, I didn't want to go to college. I just felt it wasn't for me. I, I liked business. I liked growing a business. I liked working with my hands. And, and my mother was always the type of person to be like learn a trade that you work with your hands and you always have that to fall back on it. And my father was always the type of person where he would push me and be like, no, you need an office job. You need somewhere where you're, you're safe, you're indoors, you're, you're making more money. You, you don't want to do this. So, so I, they said
0: I, the opposite yeah. of each
1: other. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so I, I went to school for architecture because like, I, I saw that as a better opportunity. I saw it towards what my father was saying but I didn't really want to be locked in an office and, and work on a computer all day. I, I wanted. To, I enjoy the construction process. I enjoy the real estate process. It's just, I like being hands-on and, and I, wear, I wear a hoodie and a t-shirt to, to work. I'm not the, the type of contractor that goes with a button down and dress shoes on because I like to get my hands dirty. I like to work. I like to be the person that is running a job and, and pushes a job. And I'm not the, the type of person to wear a suit. It's just
2: not who I am. Yeah. Well, you got to know yourself, right? And, and yeah. you got to find the path that works best right. for you, man. It's all right. right. So Thomas, man, it's been like an absolute pleasure. I feel like you've dropped so much knowledge <laughs> know. for, for the guests, for myself. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go?
1: Instagram, Tom, T-O-M-R-I-D-I-S. I, I did everyone a favor. I didn't put Thomas to do this because no one can see. <laughs> so follow me on Instagram. Ask me any questions. I, I want to help. Like I'm not, I, I only have three properties, but anything I can do to help anyone, I'm, I'm there. Just slide into my DM.
0: Well, thank you so much. We really appreciated having you on. This has been really great. And just that, you know, talking about your partnership, how you're automating systems, your property management and your rentals. That's so awesome. So thank thank you you very much for joining us. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. You guys have been fun.
0: Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. I am Ashley Kerr at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony Robinson at Tony J Robinson. So make sure you guys join our Facebook group, uh, search Real Estate Rookie on Facebook. And then you can find out some more about Thomas and some of the things he mentioned at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 39. Thank you so much, Thomas.
2: Thanks guys. See you, brother.